Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, August 22nd, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Got a mega pod coming for you today. As always, it's Thursday, so that means we have Steve Wiltfong, Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports, here on the line. We will then be joined by Dane Brugler of The Athletic. You know him from his NFL draft coverage. He's the best in the business. He's been on the show many times before. He's been at The Athletic for about a year now and has just moved back to Ohio and is ready to rock. He has the most detailed breakdowns of potential Ohio State draftees that you will find anywhere. We will get into that in detail. But as promised, first, Director of Recruiting for 24-7 Sports, Steve Wolfong joins us. Steve, how goes it? Good morning, Daniel. Going great. We're in the 70s here in the Indianapolis suburbs, and we're sending this down 70 towards Columbus, making a stop in Dayton. Good weather. Continuing to come Ohio's way. It has been a little bit temperate. Last night was beautiful. We'll take what we can get. What will we take in terms of running back? That's called the transition in the business, people. It is the main story when it comes to recruiting. It's all we can seem to talk about because it looks like most of the other major spots in the class of 2020 are filled. 247 Sports just did a big story on top recruits who were uncommitted and where they are leaning on the crystal ball. Really the only player in the entire listing that seems to have any chance of going to Ohio State is New Jersey running back Jalen Berger. 50% Ohio State, 50% foggy. A lot of the Ohio State picks come from a while back. Bring us up to speed on what you know about running back recruiting. We talked a little bit before the show about Michael Drennan, the Columbus area speedster. There's been a lot of Kentucky crystal ball action on him. I have to say that my current vibe is the running back Ohio State will get, where the main one is not even on our radar yet. I think it's going to be a junior college or a player who's committed to a team where the coach gets canned. Bring us up to speed on running back recruiting. If you've had anything new to share, and what do you make of the Jalen Berger juice? A couple weeks ago, I heard that Jalen Berger had some interest in Ohio State. I don't know what's going to develop there. or, or, or I haven't heard anything since then. I haven't really dug on it. Uh, Jalen Berger has kind of been slowly moving through his recruitment, really hasn't shown much interest in it, to be honest. I think that he's been more focused on himself and, and, and Don Bosco and, and doesn't communicate with colleges like many of these other recruits that you're used to. Um, Penn State, obviously, he's been over to um, recently, and they're in the thick of it, Rutgers. Um, but a couple weeks ago, it uh, sounds like uh, there'd be some interest in Ohio State. I mean, the three guys that Bill Kierlich's been talking, writing the most about are, are the guys that easy for me to agree with, uh, Kevontre Bradford uh, out of Texas, Mike Drennan um, from in-state Dublin Kaufman, and then the guy that I've been mentioning a ton myself is E.J. Smith. And I think that with E.J. Smith, Ohio State was at a point in the process where B. John Robinson and Jalen Knighton basically said they were coming, which meant that they were done recruiting the position. I think that they probably led for E.J. Smith at that same time. So uh, could E.J. Smith end up in the class? Uh, maybe. We'll, we'll see. I haven't dug on that in a while. Um, so maybe I have some old information. I know E.J. Smith's always been high on Stanford. I at one point had Stanford as my crystal ball pick. I moved it to Foggy when Ohio State missed out on Bijan and Knight. Um, Mike Drennan, my pick is on Kentucky. Uh, Dublin Kaufman kid, 
can Ohio State close a local kid uh, and, and beat the likes of Kentucky? He also had a good visit down to the Florida schools, but I don't see uh, that as an option right now for Mike Drennan. So, um, and, and then Kevontre Bradford is the one that uh, maybe I know the least about right now. Uh, took an official visit to Wisconsin uh, in June. Um, uh, Ohio State's certainly pushing there, Baylor and some others as well. That's kind of the board right now, and, and what we do know is with Ohio State is that uh, they always have the next man up mentality on the recruiting trail as well, and they're going to be evaluating guys as seniors like you alluded to. And There was a time when no one knew Marcus Crowley uh, as a, po- a prospect for Ohio State. He's in the class. Yeah, Tony Alford said recently that uh, they'll be fine. They'll end up with two good backs, so I do trust Tony Alford. It definitely hasn't been the easiest recruiting cycle for him, and he had one weekend he's probably going to want to forget when all is said and done. But as long as they end up with some capable backs, I think they'll be in good shape. Running back recruiting is a little bit different. You're not going after a left tackle or a quarterback here. Guys can emerge late and be fantastic players. You just did a podcast, your Big Ten podcast with Alan True, that I'm sure everybody subscribes to, but if not, you did a little something there on freshmen in the Big Ten, in which Dave Biddle came on or offered up the idea that Garrett Wilson would be the standout freshman from Ohio State. You've even heard a little bit more on that. What are you hearing about the five-star from Texas? I talked to one source that said he's the best receiver on the team. And I asked if he was better than uh, Chris Olavi, because uh, that's the guy that I thought would have a really big year and. The response was, Chris Olavi's really good, too. <laughs> so, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I don't think there's a shortage of talent in that room when you also have the very reliable KJ Hill and Austin Mack and Benjamin Victor. So, uh, they that room, and then you have C.J. Saunders, right? So, yep. um, they, they have a lot of consistent, capable people in that room, and I think that the way that um, Garrett came in, he has just made a massive impression on folks in the program. Uh, I'm glad that we had him as a five-star. Yeah, he's been everything he was hyped up to be and then some. Nothing would surprise me uh, for this year, especially in light of the fact that you've got some big-time freshmen coming in behind him, and the ball's going to be going around to young players. You might as well start it now. I do think K.J. Hill will always lead the team in receptions, but after that, it's anyone's guess. Dave Biddle mentioned on the podcast that Harry Miller's a guy that's had a lot of good buzz and that Ohio State loves him, but Myers seems to be entrenched at center. Um, so he he's a guy that got some, some mention. Uh, I do feel like Crowley has made an impression. And Big Dewan Jones, six foot eight, 360 pounds or whatever, can really move his feet. I don't even think Ohio State's monitoring his weight anymore. I think it's more just continuing to get him in, in, in uh, the peak shape that he can be in, uh, because this is a ma- this is a unique body type that uh, you don't see too many six foot eight, three seventy, and I know I keep changing his weight because I don't know exactly what it is. Move the way he moves with mid-major basketball offers. I, I think he's had some wow reps in camp. I'm not saying that he's ready to uh, be an All Big Ten player by any stretch right now. But I think that he's shown promise uh, early on in his freshman year. And obviously I asked about him too, Indianapolis kid. I was just kind of wondering about his progress. So there's probably others in this class that have made similar type spot impressions. But in context, DeWan Jones was one uh, that I specifically asked about one day. And the early returns are, are promising for his future. 
Yeah, when you're going to gamble, go big, and he is certainly that. All right, last comment from Steve. Real football kicks off this weekend with Miami versus Florida. I'm sure you'll be glued to the set. Do you have a pick for that game as we sign off here? I think i got to lean Florida, but I'm intrigued by Miami because they were much better than what their record – they should have been better than what their record indicated last year. Uh, but Florida coming off a New Year's Six Bowl tromp of a Michigan team that had a lot of their key players out for the NFL draft. Um, it was a good year for Florida, a disappointing year for Miami. The, the teams are probably closer than the records indicate, but I'll go with Florida going into the ball game. And I look forward to talking to all y'all on the front row moving forward. If the Tater were still playing, I think the ratings in Ohio for that game would triple. I'm not sure he's even going to see the field. And if he does, it's uh, doing a Braxton Berrios impersonation. We appreciate Steve stopping by, like I said, coming up in just a minute. Dane Brugler from The Athletic on the NFL Draft. Just give us a sec for a commercial break, and we'll be right back. As promised, Bucknutters, we are back with the best in the business. Dane Brugler has joined us. You've heard Dane on the show before. We usually have him on before the NFL Draft to kind of get a sense of where the Buckeyes are going. We've had so much success with that, we tried to jump the gun this year and even go before the season and get a good look at who's on the docket. He has looked at most of the Buckeyes that we feel will be draft eligible. But, Dane, this has also been a big year for you recently. Bring the people up to speed on the Dane Brugler adventure. Well, you know, it's been a year now I've been with The Athletic, and it's been awesome. Uh, really enjoyed there, uh, the draft content. Uh, we put a lot into it, and so hopefully – People are subscribed and enjoying um, uh, everything we're doing draft-wise and, of course, college football-wise, NFL-wise. But, yeah, this week is, well, yeah, a year, one-year anniversary with the Athletics. So it's, uh, and I'm going to be there for a lot more years. So it's going to be a lot of fun doing that. And I, my family and I recently moved back to Ohio this summer. So uh, born and raised in Northeast Ohio, uh, went down to Texas after I graduated from Mount Union, uh, been down there the last 10 years or so, and now we're, we're back. Got the, the a two and a four year old. Want to get them close to the grand uh, grandparents and uh, other family and all that. So we're putting down some permanent roots here in, in Northeast Ohio and looking forward to uh, enjoying uh, fall again. You know, I ha- haven't had because growing up, you know, when it started to get a little chilly outside, you get that smell in the air. It, you know, it's football season. In Texas, it's just it's summer, and then one day you wake up, it's winter. So I'm really looking forward to uh, getting fall and football back in my life again uh, here in a few weeks. Once again, Ohio State has a number of dudes who are going to get picked high in the draft. Keep in mind, this is a year-long venture for Dane. If you're going to follow him on The Athletic, you will get draft coverage year-round. What we're going to do today is he's got uh, scouting reports on a good number of dudes. We're going to break it up by position group. I'm just going to throw a name out there, and Dane's going to give you an expert breakdown. We are going to start at the top, the most obvious. We're going to do the two defensive linemen, and we'll get this out of the way first. Chase Young. Yeah, he's, he's the best prospect in the nation. Um, and I recently this week uh, released my top 50 preseason draft board. Uh, it's a little early, but, you know, you have to start somewhere. And so if the draft were held tomorrow – Chase Young, I think, would be the first non-quarterback drafted. Uh, you know, we know quarterbacks always get pushed up, but the first non-quarterback drafted, uh, Chase Young is the favorite to be that guy. Uh, if he has the season, we expect what he did last year as a sophomore. I mean, he literally led all of college football 
in quarterback pressures with 77. And, you know, we talk about sacks and, you know, how that could be a little overrated at times. Quarterback pressures is really what uh, is a translatable stat. tells you uh, not only when they get the quarterback on the ground, but how often they can affect the pocket, affect what the quarterback's doing, affect his decision-making. And no one did it better last year than Chase Young. Uh, the way he's built, I mean, he just looks like an NFL player already. Uh, and as big as he is, his ease of movement is really fluid, really natural. He can beat you in a lot of ways. And he's not just a physical freak. You see him use his hands. He has an understanding of what he needs to do to break down blockers uh, with a jab, with uh, using discipline, using patience. So Chase Young is the complete package. And as long as he continues to progress and you know show signs of development as a junior, he will be the clear favorite to be the first non-quarterback drafted uh, at least this early in the process. So Chase Young at 6'5", 265 pounds, hard to find a more uh, more of a specimen as a pass rusher than him, uh, and that's why he's so highly thought of. Uh, and, you know, Landers uh, going in the interior, uh, you know, they you know they lose uh, Draymond Jones from last year. Robert Landers comes back. It's similar because he's that undersized uh player who you know he can plug the run he can play the three technique where he can attack gaps uh, and that's really where he's at his best because of his quickness and that natural leverage because he is a shorter player he can use that to his advantage because he's a little spark plug on that defensive line and so he can get underneath blockers uh, and really create some havoc now for his next level transition it's tough for NFL teams to look past the size even though we've had you know an Aaron Donalds and these other guys it's going to be tough for a Robert Landers uh, to be more than a a day three pick you know the mid to late rounds because of his size it's just going to it's going to hurt him a lot of teams are going to see him as a tweener they're not going to know what to do with him and so it's going to take a little bit of an open-minded team to take a chance on Landers in the middle rounds and uh, you know be convinced that he can be a significant contributor to their defensive line. For context here, getting back to Chase real quick. If Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, and Chase Young were in the same draft, <laughs> give me your draft order. Gosh, You're going to get asked awesome. that question a trillion times this year, so I'm oh, getting yeah. you ready. No question. And as I started to write my Chase Young uh, report, you know, that inevitably it came up in my mind. Um, you know, it, that's it's really tough because uh, with the Bosas, I think they're more technically refined at this stage. Uh, they would just, you know – so natural to them to rush the passer. And it is for Chase Young. Like I said, it's not just uh, the physical qualities that you like with Young. He understands what he's doing out there. Um, and so he understands how to use his football biomechanics to, uh, you know, whether it's his punch or his using dip, you're using uh, his hands in a certain way. He understands how, we, how to do that. Um, I think all three are going to be top five picks, uh, or obviously two were uh, with the Bosa's, and I think Chase Young will join them. Uh, but I would probably go Nick, Joey, and then Chase. But, you know, we're splitting hairs here um, it, because it, we're talking about three really good players who uh, all three could end up being top three picks uh, in the NFL draft when it's all said and done. Defensive backs. We have three. I think each is a very interesting case. I'll just give you the group, and then you can knock them out. Jeffrey Okuda, Damon Arnett, and Jordan Fuller. Yeah, Okuda, you know, I, I, I liked him when I saw him in, on flashes uh, watching Ohio State last year. 
but I was surprised just how much I liked him after I broke down his tape this summer. Um, for a guy with only one career start, he his read-react quickness is outstanding. Uh, his ability to make plays on the football without going through the receiver, without making that early contact, really, really a special guy. Uh, and for 6'1", 200 pounds, his athleticism, uh, there's so much to like about Okuda and, and what he offers from a traits perspective. Now, he's kind of following that Denzel Ward path where only one start entering his junior year, and he needs to just do it for a full season as a, as a full-time starter in order to convince scouts he's worthy of a top-ten pick, where it, the traits look like he's a future top-ten pick. The, the size-speed combination, his read-react quickness, uh, his ability to blanket routes up and down the field, uh, that says that he's going to be a future top 10 pick. But if he's able to do it, he needs to be able to do it for a full season this year and show that he can be consistent, snap in, snap out, game in, game out. Because um, what he did down the stretch last year, Northwestern against Washington and the Rose Bowl, uh, he was really playing his best football towards the end. And so you're seeing that light bulb grow brighter and brighter with the more football that Jeffrey Okuda plays. Uh, but the traits are special, and that's why we're talking about him as a possible future top-ten pick. Uh, Damon Arnett, a uh, senior, came back. I think he made the right decision by coming back for his senior year. Um, he he got picked on a little bit last year, and the Michigan game really stands out for uh, the, the amount of laundry he attracted. Uh, just He needs to do a better job down the field, not making contact, understanding what he needs to do uh, to bracket the receiver, find the, not, find the football, and then make a play on the football. Uh, he has enough speed. He's estimated probably about a 4.48, 40-yard dash guy. He's over six foot. He's right around 200 pounds. And, you know, I some scouts like him a little. I, I view him right now as kind of in that third, fourth-round range. I've talked to some scouts that view him as a second-rounder. So, uh, Damon Arnett, there's a lot to like about him uh, with just the raw traits, but I just need to see him be a better uh, down the field using his body, finding the football, play, making plays in the football, anticipating routes. I just need to see him doing a better job from a mental standpoint. But we know that uh, scouts, NFL teams, they know that Ohio State pipeline, especially with that in the secondary, is a, something that has paid off fairly well, uh, especially recently. So, Damon Arnett, that's something that will certainly help him as well. Uh, and then Jordan Fuller, you know, he's tough. Because um, I, I, he played – we saw him as a, as a sophomore. He was a, a full-time starter as a sophomore. And you started to say, okay, this guy's got a bright future. There, there's something here with him. And then last year he seemed to take a step back. I mean, still – I think he led the team in tackles. He was over 80 tackles. But – it was the misplays, the, the missed opportunities. Um, you know, he he would attack the wrong gap, or he would uh, fail to you know calm his feet, break down, finish the tackler, um, and, and run support and coverage. Uh, he was out of position. So Jordan Fuller it, it needs a big bounce back uh, type of season because again, sophomore year showed a lot of promise, but then that junior year. Uh, it just was not what we expected. And so for Jordan Fuller, he enters the year as a, a late-round pick, a borderline draftable guy, and it's up to him. We'll see what he does as a senior in order to put his name uh, as a guy that should definitely be drafted. We are now moving on to the receivers. This is going to be a ton of fun starting, I would say, maybe next year or the year after. Ohio State's going to be the school for wide receivers. But this year, the trio, K.J. Hill, Austin Mack, Ben Victor. Yeah, it's, I mean, Ohio State, 
they're losing uh, plenty of targets, you know, with Paris Campbell, Terry McLaurin, Johnny Dixon, all gone. Um, but the talent that they're bringing back, uh, and you know, they, I know they've got some really talented young guys. Um, and so, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, if some of those young guys can sneak into uh, and take away snaps from this uh, this older group, the elder statesmen um, uh, of the group. And we know KJ Hill is going to be on the field, but Austin Mack, Ben Victor. Those two guys, I'm really interested to see how they uh, – the playing time, how that's allocated, uh, to see if some of these young, uh, really talented young guys can uh, usurp them uh, in terms of playing time. But K.J. Hill, I mean, he's gonna, he's the top guy of the wide receivers. He has a chance to be a top 100 draft pick uh, in April. Uh, just a really natural pass catcher. He's, he's so good when the ball's away from his frame, stabbing, bringing it in, very composed with his routes. Um, I mean, he might have had the best hands in all of college football uh, with his ability to uh, grab the ball away from his body, bring it in. Now, he's not the best yak threat. You know, he's not going to be a, a Paris Campbell, you know, who's going to uh, take a screen and then take it 80 yards. Just not, that's not his game. Um, you know, he's kind of a, a college football version of Jarvis Landry, and that's okay. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's a guy you can win with and it's going to help you produce first downs and score points. So, K.J. Hill um, has a chance to be a, uh, a top 100 draft pick and one of the first senior receivers drafted. Because we look towards next year, next April, wide receiver is the deepest position, at least at this early early juncture. Uh, but if it holds true, wide receivers are going to be off the board uh, pretty quickly in the top 50 picks. And so we'll see K.J. Hill should be one of the first seniors drafted uh, at his position. We'll see where he fits in when it's all said and done. And then, like I said, the other seniors, Austin Mack, uh, Ben Victor. Um, with Austin Mack, it's just eliminating the drops. Um, it, it, I can't tell you. I mean, I obviously, you know, I'm sure all the listeners know, as Ohio State fans, all the drops and how uh, frustrating that was. But watching tape, it was just focus issues after focus issues, taking the, his eye off the ball and looking to run before he secured it. Um, and so for Austin Mack, he has the size. Uh, he, he can take hits. He's a tough guy. Um, he, I know he's been banged up. Uh, during summer, uh, during the summer, and so it hasn't been on the field as much. So we'll see what Austin Mack can do. And then Ben Victor, uh, same thing, consistency as a route runner, as a, a, a finisher of the football, uh, another guy who's really athletic. I mean, they, Ohio State does not win, uh, does not beat Penn State last year without Ben Victor and the talent that he offers. So um, eager to see if we see Ben Victor or Austin Mack, one of these guys, kind of step up and hold off the young guys that I know uh, a lot of people are excited about. Let's hope they follow the lead of the trio you said that left because those guys, not all of them were considered NFL locks heading into their final year in Columbus, and all three look like they've carved out a nice little, even Dixon, maybe a future for them in the NFL. McLaurin's been a revelation, and Paris Campbell's been great. Offensive lineman, Thayer Munford. Yeah, the big left tackle. Uh, He's a guy that stepped in last year uh, and did a nice job as a first-year starter. and I, when you talk about a guy that's six six, three ten, uh, he can hold up on an island, and that's what you, that's what you need from your left tackle. Uh, a guy that has the body control, the flexibility, uh, can roll his hips of contact to control the point of attack. Uh, he, he does a nice job introducing his lo- lower body, and so um, I just need to see him be more consistent, take the next step in his development. Uh, it, some of the technical, uh, and that's really what we see from a lot of the offensive linemen. Uh, you know, they come in the, at the college level, uh, you know, they're big, they move well, they're strong, whatever. 
but it's just about the technical skill. And that's the biggest difference between offensive linemen in college and offensive linemen in the NFL is uh, just everything gets so much faster. You have to be able to use your hands, understand timing uh, to help your balance. Um, and so if Thayer Munford can take another step forward with his technique, with his ability to, uh, you know, because he'll use that punch, but more importantly, it's about the timing. And so not letting your hands wander, but being quick, compact, efficient with your punch uh, to take away defensive linemen. Uh, we'll, t- we'll be talking more about Thayer Munford as an NFL draft prospect if he's able to take some stride, make some strides this year in terms of his the, the fundamentals and just the mechanics of the position. Yeah, I am super high on Munford. Nothing would surprise me in terms of where he could go in the draft. Certainly tremendous potential. All right, last guy. Mm-hmm. Could be the best athlete on the team and is the routine favorite in the annual Ohio State dunk contest, Malik Harrison. Malik Harrison really uh, grabbed my attention in that Michigan game. I mean, that was he, he had an outstanding game. He 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 did a nice job beating blockers to the spot. So he was in the hole uh, meeting the running back. Um, he just he seemed like he was a, a step quicker than everybody else than, than what the offense was expecting. So I think there's there's a lot to like about him, and he got some high marks from um, from scouts this summer um, talking to. Uh, just different people getting different opinions on, you know, where he's going to go. Uh, I think he's probably in that third, fourth round range. Um, and that's probably, that's, that was more of the consensus. But I talked to several scouts who thought he could be a second rounder, uh, a top 50, top 60 type of pick. Uh, and for a guy that's 6'3", 250 pounds, uh, he's going to run somewhere 4'6", 8", or 4'7", somewhere in that range in the 40-yard dash. Um, I need to see him be a little more consistent in pass coverage because in today's NFL, it's great uh, when you go downhill, you can blitz, you can meet the, the runner in the hole. That's awesome. And, and that's going to get you on the field and you're going to play. But in order to you know, kind of realize your full potential and to be a three-down starter, uh, I, I need to see you do a better job in coverage. Uh, know that you, you know, if you're on the field, you can match up with tight ends. You can match up with the running back out of the backfield. You know, you can be used in different ways. And so for Malik Harrison, uh, coming back for his senior year, we know what he can do downhill, but what you, he needs to do a better job in reverse. And that's what scouts are going to be keyed in, in on to see if he gets better in coverage. And if he does, then, you know, Malik, uh, Malik Harrison has a chance to, uh, you know, live up to that hype and possibly be a top 50 or top 60 pick. Okay, Bucknutters, that was the most comprehensive draft preview you can get anywhere and we appreciate Dane stopping by. He's always been a great asset for us. Now that he's back in Ohio, we're going to call on him even more. We appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by, Dane. No problem. My my, uh, my little brother's a senior at Ohio State this uh, this year, so maybe I need to make it down to Columbus for for a game and see these guys in person. And so yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I can I can do that this fall now. We'll send them a lot closer. You gave the age of your children. It's time for them to be indoctrinated in person. <laughs> yeah. Well. Like I said, there's family in Ohio, so, you know, I, I, I say unbiased because this is my job, but, you know, like I said, we have family in Ohio, so that's almost inevitable. We can all read between the lines, and we like what we see. Have a good one, Bucknutters.